A reminder to our podcast subscribers, Howell Creek Radio has moved to a new location. Please visit howellcreekradio.com to be sure that your podcast listening software is properly configured with the new location. Thanks for listening. This is Reminder 1 of 4. This is the Howell Creek Radio address for Saturday, October 13th, 2012. I'm Joel Duick. Ten hours into our road trip in August, I pulled a muscle in my back somehow. I wasn't doing anything strenuous, just leaning forward in my seat just before getting out to switch drivers somewhere in Nebraska in the middle of the night. It was probably a re-injury of sorts, actually, since I'd pulled it a couple of weeks earlier. What can you do? I got out, smelled the fresh atmosphere of mayflies and turkey manure, stretched, and waddled a couple of laps back and forth under the ghastly sodium vapor lamps, bought an energy drink, and hoisted myself into the driver's seat. previous to this, I had been helping shovel soybeans at Abe's farm, something I have done exactly once. It was actually kind of a neat experience, even though that was how I originally pulled my back. We were moving a silo full of soybeans out of the silo and into a large green metal wagon for transport by means of an auger, which for you non-farm types is a kind of Archimedes screw inside a giant metal soda straw that you jam into the bottom of the beans in the silo, and as the screw turns, it elevates the soybeans up and out and dumps them into the wagon. Now picture this. The auger is pouring the beans, which form a cone-shaped hill that grows as it fills up the wagon, and the wagon has a small square window in the side, which gradually gets covered by the soybeans. You might expect to see the level of soybeans rising slowly and continuously, But if you look up close at the pane of this window and watch carefully, you would see something different. The level of the beans appears to remain the same for a good minute or two, as soybeans bounce down in ones and twos and hit the window in random times and places. Then a wave of beans comes rolling down, and all at once the level rises another inch or so. I remember thinking that if I were an ant walking on that rising hill of soybeans, and if every second was equivalent to, say, a year, this pattern of when the beans hit the window and how many at a time would be roughly equivalent to humans' experience of change in the world, and would still seem just as mysterious. There were three of us inside the silo that day, shoveling the beans into the mouth of the auger. Abe and I are lean fellas, but Al was older, shorter, and stouter, 
he had an extra burlap sack's worth of belly in front. I could see no earthly reason why my back should have given out and not his. Al worked just as hard as we did, was probably a little smarter about it than I was, but if anyone's back should be giving out in protest, his seemed like it had a lot more to put up with than mine did. Fast forward a couple of weeks again to the road trip. My cousin was going to be married in the mountains near Flagstaff, Arizona. Her parents, my aunt and uncle, and my cousin Goodwin and Trixie and I left in a van at two o'clock on a Tuesday afternoon, drove through a thunderstorm and a night, and when the sun came up we were in Colorado Springs. We got out of the car to stretch our legs, and the sign at the entrance to the park said, The Garden of the Gods. At the time, I thought I understood why they called it that. The paths we strolled along led through some huge, bright orange and tan rock formations that looked sculpted and were only just large enough to dwarf you. You could just imagine it being a garden designed to scale for a race of giants. I later realized I was wrong about this. We kept driving. We hit the Arizona border just after sunset that night and arrived at our hotel at 10 o'clock. I've been thinking lately what a gift it is to belong to a family that has no honor to defend. It seems to me that more spite, more actual harm is perpetrated upon family members, by family members, when there is pride to uphold and a standard. In many cultures, suicide is an acceptable alternative to family censure, and I can almost say I imagine why that would be so. My family used to have appearances to maintain. But after much sin and much forgiveness, the appearances are gone, and I must say we are the better for it. It was interesting to drive those 3,200 miles with aunt, uncle, and cousin, and to attend their family's celebration for this reason. It was like an opportunity to observe the same beautiful crumbling of the edifice from the outside instead of the inside. The kind of resolved acceptance of each other that can only come from family crises. In that hard, hard choice between love and honor is that rare place where the solidest love can emerge. And it had really better emerge, for love can be preserved through things like separation, suicide attempts, unplanned pregnancies, cancer, while honor never can. The trip and the gathering was for me a tale or a rite in honor of a family that had survived all of these things. Watch this quiet, lean, weather-worn uncle of mine in his leather boots, who perhaps would never have thought of moving his body to any rhythm faster than a season of the year, especially not in front of dozens of people. 
tentatively mount the steps and dance with both of his daughters. I wonder at how much acceptance he must have had to give and receive in order for that to happen. In the month after this wedding, my aunt would undergo extensive surgery, and my cousin Goodwin would slip and fall off a 20-foot cliff, land on his head, and survive. Our drive back happened to be so timed that the places through which we'd driven at night the first time, we now passed back through in daylight. On the first day, I saw stark and alien cliffs of immense size that on the voyage out, we had threaded unwittingly in the dark. And on the second day, I saw endless, endless, endless plains of flat fields that on the voyage out, I had sailed over unwittingly in the dark. These fields might seem boring, I thought, but they seem less boring if you consider that this is how the Grand Canyon itself would look if it were filled in. There might even be a Grand Canyon of sorts, thousands of feet underneath all of this drought-dried corn, embedded under vast layers of fill and soil. Suddenly and inexplicably, that was when I really understood about the Garden of the Gods. It wasn't a garden for gods, it was a garden of gods where gods themselves were planted and grown. Who knows how many thousand years ago the last crop of them ripened. And these heaving hills of rock are not the ruins, but the young shoulders of the next generation, who have many centuries yet before they fully emerge. This, I think, is how to understand the land of North America. It is a land in an intermission between legends. The End Thanks for listening to Howell Creek Radio. All episodes, past, present, and future, are available for listening and download at our lovely new website, howellcreekradio.com, as well as liner notes, reader comments, and links to the music. I've been working on my book, Noise of Creation, which is being published electronically as it is being written. It's currently a free download. Find out more at leanpub.com slash noise of creation the music for this episode is performed by the vitamin string quartet ozzy kotani and daniel ho antonio vargas and a whisper in the noise and the
可是真。